This, this could be the shortest sermon ever. <laughs> Behave. Do all, do all religions lead to God? So, yes, no, maybe, undecided. Look, if you'd all said no, it would have been the shortest sermon ever. I had no one to convince on the subject. It's probably a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, a question I sort of hint at but don't deal with um, is um, about the place of religion in the world and the impact it might have had. So a lot of people have turned their... This is not the sermon, by the way. So don't start your watches. But a lot of um, people have turned their back on the Lord Jesus Christ because of the conflicts in the world. And it's sort of easy to... I just hint at this. But like, it is a big question, isn't it? And um, we try and be really nice. And we're in a culture that wants to respect everyone else's right to do this, that, and the other. But it is a very deep question that we're um, dealing with this morning. And I just pray that... And whatever I say helps us to grapple with this issue in a, in a healthy and responsible and God-honoring way. So, we pray. Lord, we um, pray for your presence to be amongst us. Lord, I pray that um, we'll notice the things that we need to notice and we'll change the things that we need to change. And maybe over and above all this and, and my words and, and those who proclaim your gospel and have done through the ages, thank you, Sovereign Lord, that um, you have the power and it's been de demonstrated many times around the um, incarnation in particular that you can visit people in different times and spaces and that you can make yourself known to them supernaturally. So where our words fail, Lord... And we trust that you're going to do the right thing in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, so for those of you not sure about um, that particular answer, um, Jesus helps us a little bit. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you might be thinking, I preach on this all the time at funerals, um, and it has a positive reaction. But, the, but this statement actually matters. And some find it really, really shocking. Some think, gosh, they wouldn't dare say it to Jesus, I don't think. But you're arrogant, although some people thought that. You're deluded. Surely not. Can't have really meant it. Can't be true. But if true, give you a little clue, I think it is. Um, and when we respond in faith... It's absolutely life-changing. So I might hint at this later. I was speaking to someone just now on the way into church, and it's transformed their lives. I want to begin with some positives. What does Christianity have in common with other religions? Most religions have a sense of right and wrong, I think, most religions grapple with core questions. Why do we exist? 
And most, I would argue, have an honest yearning and search for meaning and purpose. We might even be able to go further and say that we share values of compassion, justice, honesty, and love with many people of other faiths and none. Most religions have a golden rule, a moral principle to treat others as you'd like to be treated yourself. Christianity, Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything you do to others, do, um, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Judaism. Have we got any? I won't, are there any converts from Judaism here? I don't know. There are from other religions. Leviticus 19, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Islam. And this is from the Hadith literature, the sayings of the prophet Mohammed, not from the Quran, but it's a bit of a story. A Bedouin came to the prophet, grabbed the stirrup of his camel and said, Oh, the messenger of God, teach me something to go to heaven with it. Prophet said, as you would have people do to you, do to them. And what you dislike to be done to you, don't do it to them. Now let go, let the stirrup go. So um, I was saying that so I'm doing myself out of a job here, possibly. It's all sounding all right so far, isn't it? Hinduism. And I've got an expert in the congregation this morning who will give their testimony at some point, won't you? Yes. But um, this is in Hinduism, it says, this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what you would cause, what would cause pain if done to you. So I didn't know about that, but that's sounding quite good, isn't it? Buddhism. Do not offend others as you would not want to be offended. Sikhism. As you see yourself, see others as well, only then will be, you become a partner in heaven. Based on the golden rule, most would recognize, I think, a common thread, would we not, between people of other faiths and probably some people of none. We believe that all people were made in the image of God with the possibility of knowing him and being loved by him and responding to that love in return. We get the idea of uh, um, being made in God's image, image bearers in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which suggests that humans, as humans, we share certain qualities with God and a commission to rule over creation. But, this is where the rub is, being made in God's image is not the same as bearing God's name. 
Bearing God's name is a call to be representatives, a witness, an ambassador for God. Bearing God's name involves us reflecting God's attributes, Jesus' character, values in our daily lives, fulfilling God's purpose that he created you for. Does it matter what we believe or what religious path that we follow? Do we believe in universalism or are there in irreconcilable differences between religions? Now, um, I might be misrepresenting universalism, but this is what it um, sounds like to me. It claims that God is all-embracing, accepting of everyone, and in the end, um, whatever your values are, you're in and you're not out. There's uh, no worries, do what you like, believe what you like. God is so loving and will accept everyone equally regardless of what you've done and what you believe. Create your own pick and mix God in whatever image you like and it's convenient for you. This seems to me, like creating God in my, in our image, rather than we being created in his. I struggle to align a universalist belief with the teaching of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And God spake all these words, verse 2. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is quite plain. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Also, not sure how a universalist approach aligns with a God of love and justice. The Bible teaches that all people from all religions and none will face God and need to give an account for their life choices. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 is a strong teaching for those, and this was spoken to the religious community, who thought they were sorted. Verse 21 of Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Away from me, this is a little bit of an ouch, you evildoers. Knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him is key. A couple of uh, important points before considering any irreconcilable differences with other religions. Um, we have a mission partner called Christian Solidarity Worldwide. And this is one of their guiding principles. As Christians, 
we stand with everyone facing injustice because of their religion or belief. As Christians, we stand with everyone facing injustice because of their religion or belief. They defend injustice for people of all faiths and none, and their strapline, everyone free to believe. Now, it's a wee bit uncomfortable, but I rejoice that I live in a society where people are allowed to think and believe different things. It does bring its problems. It's a lot easier to say you should do it in this way. But who on earth would want to be in a relationship, a controlling relationship with another human being or with God who said, do it this way? It needs to be freely given in love and freely received. But what we can't get around this. So what are some of the many differences between Christianity and other religions? And I know you do it very, very quickly, but there's differences in theological belief. As Christians, we're separated from other religions because of our belief, our exclusive belief in the Trinity, the name of this church, Holy Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is more than a prophet or ethical teacher. He's fully human, yet fully divine. What about salvation? God rescuing us. Views on salvation differ between faith and Christianity. Salvation requires us to put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. He's the name above all names. And while other religions may have alternative paths or perspectives, they can't, we can't all be right. That's like complete and utter nonsense. And making a farce of what Jesus claimed. The scriptures... Different religions have different sacred texts. They believe different things, especially about Jesus, his physical resurrection, and the life hereafter. What about love? Whilst many religions and people of no faith know about love and compassion, sometimes this can be quite limited to people within your own family unit. And um, yeah, that could probably apply to Christians too. But some Religious teachings command us to kill non-believers. This is taken literally by some today. By the way, I don't believe that, okay, just in case uh, you get confused. But also, sadly, we got stories of atrocities in the Christian faith, the Crusades. We've got stories of atrocities um, sectarianism in Northern Ireland. We're not immune from these atrocities and this false teaching. But what about Islam? Well, we know some of the horrible stories about people getting killed because they've converted, for example, to Christianity. But we also know that they bomb each other as well if they have a slightly different view on a certain thing. But I'm sure, and I've not looked into it too much, but on the news... Um, Hindus sometimes do that to other people, Sikhs, Buddhists, and politicians create cultures in which you're not allowed to believe in anything, so we'll kill you as well. But Jesus, by contrast, commands his followers to love everyone. This does not mean agree with everyone. Even our enemies, pray for those who persecute you, Repay evil with good. I'm not here 
to trash other religions or those who believe in them. Whether we agree or not, it's better to respect, love, pray for, listen to others and their worldviews. We might actually, I speak to myself, I might actually learn something. There may be some common ground, as I've just mentioned, and things that we can learn. All, as I've said earlier, are made in God's image. I think to some extent, reflect something of their creator. Jesus and his first followers, however, did not shy away from proclaiming the gospel. We're called to do the same. So there's a call uh, for us to challenge, maybe not all of us in the same way, but certainly me, challenge the wrong thinking that we find and to stand firm in who we believe Jesus to be. I'm attributing this to Tom Wright. I couldn't find where I found it from. I'm sure it's him. I never thought this, okay, because it's quite clever. Anyway, many people from different religious beliefs, he would argue, I've said, uh, on an honest search for God. Tom Wright, it can be him rather than me, um, says that this takes people to the foothills of the mountain, but Jesus takes you to the summit. So this isn't trashing everyone's beliefs and honest searching. It says it can only get you so far. And Jesus' teaching is that you need me. Jesus doesn't offer up a technique or a map, but a personal relationship with him. Whatever faiths or worldview we have, Jesus is saying, get to know me and you will know God. Now, some find the Christian belief about the uniqueness of Christ in this multi-faith culture uh, unpalatable and worse. However, Jesus is the central figure of Christianity. He is unique, and I'm going to be bold enough to tell you a few reasons why. Unlike all others, he's considered to be God in... You know all this anyway, but I like saying it. He's God in human form. He invites you into relationship with him. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. He was sacrificed on the cross for everyone's sin, everyone's mistakes, everyone's rebellion, yours and mine, and anyone from any religion of all time that puts their faith in him. He was unjustly killed, but came back to life. Death could not hold him. He offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life to those who believe. He will return to earth and has a unique role in our resurrection and our complete restoration. We're going to sing about this a bit later, I think, maybe. Or No, we're going to proclaim our creed. Anyway, you might not be asking, but some of you might even be thinking. What about those who have never heard? 
we're born into unique family situations and cultures. But most of us in the UK, probably like our generation, um, I think very few of them could probably say they've never heard anything about Jesus and Christianity. Increasingly, that might not be the case within modern society. And even if folks have heard a little bit, they probably don't understand it properly. I was brought up in a clergy home, and I didn't have a clue because I wasn't listening. So they need other people to help them to understand. It is true to say that you can only believe in something that you know about. But as I've said, that needs explaining. So as Christians, we're called to partner with God, and Matthew 28 commissions us to share his message and make disciples of all nations, and some of us will feel more confident and um, equipped to do that than others. But we can just love people <laughs> and not be ashamed of our faith. That would be a pretty good start, actually. I believe that God is all-knowing and all-loving and completely just. So, in the light of that, what about that question? What about those who've never heard? If someone's not heard the gospel, or it has not reached that corner of the earth, I believe that God can reveal himself as he chooses. He will judge us and all people based on what we know and not on what we don't know. I've been um, watching a few YouTube clips about this. I sort of started with a search of sort of dreams and visions in Iran, because I've heard that that's probably one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Uh, pretty much in the news at the moment, well, God's doing his own thing behind the scenes, but it's a little bit scary, because if you put your faith in Jesus, some, this lady I was listening to has done, and they were persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, and some of her friends were martyred for the faith. They want, in that context, they wanted her to... Um, what is it? Recount. Recant. Not recount. Recant her faith. But this person had encountered the presence of God in love, in a way that she couldn't explain, in a way that then she couldn't be quiet about, in a way that she didn't care what they did to her body because she felt secure eternally. Persecution, imprisonment, martyrdom. And although these stories are inspiring, I, I thought, well, I don't really know many people like that. So it could be a second, third, fourth, tenth hand story. I love it nonetheless. So I thought, well, do I know any ones closer to home? So I got in touch with someone that I've only, um, well, through someone else that I've met briefly. And on Friday, after my sermon was completely done, I got this testimony um, through um, by WhatsApp, which I'm going to read without apology to you in full and not cut any of my sermon. This is a first-hand account of someone who became a Christian in Iran. I've met this person. It's dangerous for this person to share... So no names are given, and some details are deliberately vague. 
This guy is super intelligent. Lots of Iranians, I think, seem to be. His English is better than mine. I was born in Iran into a family that didn't practice any religion. My father was part of the Communist Party during the Iranian Revolution in 1979. So the concept of God was not something I was familiar with in my early years. My first encounter with religion was during my school years, which coincided with the Iran-Iraq War. This period was marked by intense propaganda and a multitude of songs relating to the war, which was often referred to as a holy war. The atmosphere at school was heavily, heavily influenced by these narratives. And as a young student, I believed what I was taught and read. Consequently, I followed Islam, as it was the norm in my surroundings. My beliefs were shaped by what I was told and what I read, and I didn't question them at that time. During my high school years, I began to see contradictions and injustices in Islam, particularly concerning human rights and women's rights. These were issues that I felt everyone was aware of, but few openly discussed. I saw answers to my questions and turned to books and history to broaden my understanding. Eventually, I reached a point where I could no longer reconcile my beliefs with the teachings of Islam. I came to view it not as a divine religion, but as an ideology designed to conquer lands and rule people in a way that I perceived as smart, yet cruel. This realization left me feeling lost. But at the same time, I was relieved that I was no longer blindly following a path that didn't resonate with me. I explored other religions, such as Hinduism, Buddhism, Mithraism, has anyone heard of that before? I haven't. Zoroasticism. But none of them seemed to fill the void that I was feeling. Then I turned to the works of philosophers, physicists, and mathematicians like Stephen Hawking, Victor Stenger, Bernard Russell, Karl Marx, Friedrich Nietzsche, is that right? Hoping to find some answers. However, the more I read, the more I found myself sinking into a state of darkness. As time passed, my job gave me the opportunity to see the world and experience different cultures and beliefs. I got married and became a father, but I still didn't know whether I was a believer or not. I felt like I was in the middle of nowhere. Whenever I found someone trustworthy, I would discuss these matters, but I always criticized religions because I felt betrayed by Islam or his brand of Islam. So I put that in. 
I remember one of my old friends confessed to me about his conversion to Christianity. It was hard for me to accept this because in Iran, conversion is not only abnormal, but also dangerous. He gave me a gospel to read. I didn't read it to accept it, but rather to deny it. However, I didn't find anything wrong with it. The story was nice and based on a historical events. I read it in a week and returned it saying, it didn't work for me. Then he gave me the whole Bible and we read it together. We started from the creation story and went through it step by step. Suddenly, I thought I could see a pathway lit by the light of a candle. For years, I'd been afraid of the fire of hell, but now I found a father. I saw love, kindness, sacrifice, humility, and a savior who came to save me. I realized that he'd always been at my door, waiting for me to come and dine with him. I saw light and more light and bright light. Suddenly I find myself hungry to know more and more. I didn't know what the consequences would be, but I knew that this was what I wanted. From that moment, I accepted Christ as my saviour. My life changed. If you're thinking that everything became easier, it absolutely did not. Accepting Christ was not about seeking an easier life, but about finding truth, love, and salvation. I became a better person. I found that he loves me, giving me comfort and hope. I believe that he is good to all of us and is the only way for peace, living together and sharing kindness. His um, conversion comes through, be familiar to many of us, it's um, the image in Revelation 3.20 of Jesus standing at the door knocking and knocking and knocking. I'm looking out here and I'm pretty sure most of you have opened the door and opened it really wide. But if you haven't and you hear that knocking... Jesus invites you to have fellowship with him and come into the light. Lord, I choose to open the door. I choose to respond to you the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity and following Jesus is costly but it's deeply rewarding and he'll never, ever let you go. Do all people meet with God? I'd have to say from my understanding of the scriptures, yes, they do. We all at some time will come to his mercy judgment seat. Doesn't it say um, 
one day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I just hope it's not too late for the people that I know and have responsibility for because do all religious teachings and path lead to eternal relationship with God through Jesus? My answer would have to be no. Always don't lead to the same destination. And I don't believe Jesus was making it up when he made these statements. Could all people made in God's image be secure in an eternal relationship with Jesus? My answer is yes, but it's if they choose, if he first chooses to make himself known to them and they respond to him appropriately. Our calling as a church is to help more people to find Jesus as their way, their truth, and their life. And I'd like to say, this is going to be a refrain later on this year, count me in.